The word of God that comes to us today is from John the Baptist, who sees Jesus coming toward him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again, the next day, standing with two of his disciples, he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Again, behold, the Lamb of God. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was talking with one of our parishioners this week. I felt really sorry for him because he was down in Florida. And that was supposed to be a joke. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I told him, you're missing out on this beautiful winter wonderland, right? You look outside, it really is beautiful, isn't it? It has its downsides. It's frigid and piercing and um, all those things that we hate. But it, it is beautiful and it covers everything. Uh, On Friday morning, maybe you saw this, it just blanketed everything. The snow was sticking to the trees, and it it really was a winter wonderland. It was beautiful. So I did actually feel sorry for this poor poor soul who was dealing with 75-degree weather and sunshine. It's so sad. Um, Friday morning was this beautiful place, and I had this juxtaposition in my, my life, this experience. Yes, outside it was covered with snow, and the snow was coming down, and it was beautiful. But then I remembered, oh, today is garbage day, and i got to take my garbage out. And, the, and so I, I tricked tra- tra- my recycling out you know, through the snow, and uh, uh, that just doesn't look right. Uh, everything's beautiful except for that recycling bin. And then I start carrying my garbage bags out right next to the road, and like, oh, that's gross. Like, ruined the beautiful scene. And then I remember, oh, I got this... Uh, Peter and I took out this old vanity from a bathroom that we're fixing up. It looked junky. We turned this beautiful white winter wonderland into a bunch of junk. It was horrible, right? Anyone have that experience? We're like, life is so good. The other time, it's there's yuckiness. Um, well, two things happened later in the day that made me feel better that relate to this sermon. One is the snowplows came by. They almost knocked all the stuff over, but they did cover it with a whole bunch of snow. So it looked a little bit better, made my morning. And then in the afternoon, a little bit later than usual, they, they did this awesome thing. You know what they did? They picked it up, and they took it away. It was awesome. Like, yes. I used to love, more than anything else in Western civilization, I used to love libraries the best, right, Melissa? I've said this for like 25 years. I love libraries. You get a free book. But now I think I love trash collectors. All right, anyone with me? Like, think for a moment if um, you were in the habit of taking out your garbage every week or even recycling if you're really good, but they didn't carry it away for a year or two years. Before you know it, you wouldn't be able to see your house, right? It's like we're such disgusting pigs. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, if they didn't carry it away for the next 10 years, you would, you would move, wouldn't you? Or you'd burn it or something, right? You'd put it in your neighbor's yard. You would figure out something, right? That makes me think of, you know, what we just read. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is a good thing for us to to celebrate in today, right? So I want to think about that phrase. Two times John says this. One day he says it after Jesus had been baptized, and then the next day he preaches the same message. He's happy to say it. Now, we sometimes think of John the Baptist as this gnarly dude who said things like, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Is that true? Yes. He says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. 
He says, get it together. He says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's John the Baptist. He says, here's a tree, and the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. It's like, your time is running short. That's John the Baptist. So I'm surprised, maybe we should be surprised and celebrate that this same John the Baptist doesn't say to us, behold, the fire and brimstone of God who burns up the sin of the world. He doesn't say that. Or, behold, the shield of God who protects us from the sin of the world. Or pick whatever metaphor you want from the Old Testament. He doesn't do any of those things. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God knew, yes, we need to repent. But God knows that we can't do any of that unless our sin is carried away. right? Unless there is a Lamb from God for us. Right? So, in the next couple minutes, this is what I want to do. I want to look at three places in the Old Testament, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, very briefly, where this idea of a lamb shows up. And then I want to show you a place that it's predicted to come to us today. And then I want to just end with three suggestions of ways we can use this. Okay? Alright, so stick with me. From in Gen- so, the idea of a lamb, if you're a Jewish person sitting here and John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you instantly go to the temple. You instantly go to sacrifices. And the idea of sacrifices is not hard. Uh, the, the author of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. In God's way of doing things, there had to be a sacrifice. It basically is this, one dies in my place. One dies in my place. Right? That's the whole idea. That one dies, so I don't need to. That's the gospel in a nutshell. So this shows up many times, sometimes before the law of Moses, sometimes after. In Genesis 22, you probably know the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. At his very old age, God gave Abraham his son. He's old. I think he's like 190 years or 100 years old at this time. And God says to him, once he's got this young boy... Abraham, kill your son. Sacrifice your son. And some of you just looked up and be like, whoa, that's kind of different. Yeah, I say this with reverence. This is crazy. This is news from a crazy God. But Abraham does it or goes about to do it because he knows, and Hebrews tells us this, that he believes that God could raise Abraham, or his son Isaac from the dead. Just like Isaac came from a very, very old lady, Right? He can also raise Isaac from the dead. So he set about to sacrifice his son. Something that I don't recommend. Don't do that, right? That was a joke, okay? Um, this, is, this is unusual and crazy, but he did it. So he goes up the mountain, and, and Isaac goes with him. Isaac is carrying his wood, and Isaac says something like, Hey, Dad, uh, we got the knife, uh, we got the wood, where's the lamb? Well, it turns out that Isaac was going to be the lamb. And this is crazy. Abraham is going through with it. He binds his son Isaac. He puts him on the altar. And he's about to slay him. He trusts God that much. And right at the very last moment, an angel of the Lord says to him, Abraham, stop. Don't harm the boy. I know that you trust me. I know that you fear me. And voila, right behind him is what? A ram in the thicket. St. Augustine, or St. Augustine, depending on how you want to say his name, says that this is God preaching to us. This, that Christ was in 
the ram. Christ was in the ram who ended up being sacrificed in place of Isaac. And he was caught in a thicket. Think about Jesus. He was also had a crown of thorns, something like this ram, right? He says also Christ was in Isaac, who willingly went up the mountain, which is the same mountain where Christ was crucified. Although we see that Isaac did not need to be sacrificed. This was a picture to point forward. Okay, so that's, that's the first one. The next one is shorter, from Exodus. Uh, Exodus 13, 14, 15. This is the Passover lamb. God said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he said, no way. His heart was hard. He wouldn't do it. So finally, after nine plagues, there's the tenth plague. You know the story. God says, I'm going to wipe out the firstborn son of every family. Again, uh, terror, right? And he says, protect yourselves. Protect your families. Put the blood of a lamb on the, door, on, the, on the lintels and on the doorpost, right? And some sort of like prefiguring of the sign of the cross. So that all the Hebrew families who put the blood on the doorpost, when the angel of death passed over, he went past those houses and, did, and spared them, protected them. All right, so that's the second one, the, the Passover. Paul tells us that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Okay, are you with me? That's the second one. Here's the third one. You know the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The middle one is Leviticus. And not by accident, the middle of Leviticus, the middle of the middle of the Pentateuch is Leviticus. And in the middle of that book, chapter 16, is this description of the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And in the middle of that chapter, so it's the very, very middle of the Pentateuch, this is what happens. On the Day of Atonement, which was once a year, the high priest would go and make atonement in the Holy of Holies. He would take the blood of a goat and sprinkle it on the mercy seat to cover over, like the snow, to cover over all the sins of his people, all his own sins. That's the Day of Atonement. But here's the other part of the Day of Atonement. Track with me here. There was two goats. One whose blood was sacrificed for the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. The other one, the high priest, would put his hands on this goat and confess all his own sins and all the sins of his people. And this goat was called the scapegoat. You've heard of that, right? You often blame each other and you're like, you're calling me a scapegoat. But the scapegoat was the one that the priest would lay his hands on and confess. And it says that they would be led off into the wilderness to do like the garbage truck did, to carry away the sins, the trash, the baggage, away from the people. All right, got that? Just hold on to those. Again, St. Augustine says that all those things point us to Christ, how he would be the Lamb of God for us. Uh, I believe it's page 5, 74 in your pew Bibles. Take a look there, just a moment. This is Isaiah 53 and 54. So here's halfway through. So there's some three pictures, three places this happens in the Old Testament. And then one prediction about the one to come is Isaiah chapter 53. Um, check me on the page there. Is it 574 or 547? 574, Okay. So a prediction of all those sacrifices lead up to the Lamb of God, Jesus, for us. And so I'll just point out a couple of verses here. Take a look at verse 4. Read a couple of these. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And a couple others, at the end of verse 8, it says, He's stricken for the transgression of my people. Verse 10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Verse 11, the end says, He shall bear their iniquities. And the end of verse 12 says, He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah can't be more clear. One is coming who all those sacrifices point to. It's the Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You've probably heard that before, right? Yeah. That is the good news for us. So let me just kind of end with these three suggestions. Uh, You know about the Lamb of God. You know that by his death, he covers sin and carries it away. So let me encourage you, when it says Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, this really could, we could say, behold, God's Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world. So let me encourage you this. Don't let it just be God's Lamb. Let it be my Lamb. Behold, Rako's Lamb, who carries away his sin. Just internalize that for a moment. Maybe even out loud or in your head say, Behold, Lindsay's lamb, or whatever your name is. You're not all named Lindsay. Internalize it for you. Don't let it be just God's lamb or the lamb of God. Let, it, let him be your lamb. Luther says this, you've heard of him, that uh, sin can only rest in two places. It rests either on you, and he says on your neck, Uh, And then if that's the case, you will be lost. Or it rests on Jesus. And if it rests on Jesus, it's carried away and you will be saved, right? Uh, A moment ago, um, Ken read about 1 Corinthians, the letter to uh, the church in Corinth. And it says there uh, this, that you are called to be saints along with all those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how we make him our Lord, is that all of our baggage, all that stuff, all the way we haven't loved God or our neighbors, all the way we we, uh, pile up our junk before God, we let him be the one who carries it away. We call on him. So that's the first one. Let him be your lamb. Second one. You with me? All right. Nudge your neighbor if you need to. I'm nearing the conclusion. I'm coming downhill in a hurry. Second one. Look at verse 35 uh, in your gospel reading. It says, we already heard that John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 35, this wasn't a one-time thing. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. This was something John got used to doing. And I encourage you, this second thing to do, is get used to saying, Look, look, say to others, Look, the Lamb of God. He carries away your sin, too. He has died for you, too. He has risen for you, too. All right? So when people have struggles, 
and they will, the people that around you, when you're praying for them, can't fix them, but you can say, look, that's what behold means. Behold, look at him, the Lamb of God. Right? So get used to that. We have John doing that here. We also have later on in this uh, section, Andrew, who goes and looks for his brother, Simon Peter, and says, look, we found him. Right? This doesn't have to be a, a hard thing, but as God brings it up, and as you pray for divine opportunities, he will give them to you. Uh, when someone says to you, I'm really having a hard time, you know, we see this with um, the tragedy with uh, Damar Hamlin, and people reached out to God in prayer, and God was faithful and good. Didn't need to heal him, but he did um, point people like, like you see the people in the world doing. Uh, my stepdad this last week, when I was gone, George, I didn't think he was going to make it. I thought last week I was going to a funeral, uh, leaving my family on a spur of a moment, and uh, going to say goodbye to my stepdad, George. And so we got there, and um, did not look good. The, the people said, uh, George is not coming out of the ICU. Um, it's too late now even to do a vent. It's, it's time for the end. And uh, we gathered around several times, and we prayed for a miracle. We knew that God would heal George. We thought it would be on the other side. We prayed that it would be this side, and, and lo and behold, it was this side. And so George got out of the ICU, and he's going to go home in a couple days, Lord willing. So... Um, so I said to my family, look, the lamb. Not in those words, of course. But I helped lead my family to look to Jesus. All right, last one. John the Baptist says, look, the lamb of God. And then this is verse 37. Two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means, teacher, where are you staying? They probably wanted to say something like, Rabbi, our, our teacher John said, you're the Lamb of God. Uh, but they didn't know what to say. So they said, what, where are you staying? And Jesus said, well, come and see. Jesus invited them into his house. Guess what? Jesus invites you into his house. Listen to Jesus. Hang out with Jesus. Uh, of course, I say that. Um, Jesus is not your homie. He's your Lord. But spend time with Jesus. Um, and he will show you great things. All right? So now may the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, the one who has sent the Lamb of God to carry our sins away, may he um, guard and protect you and keep you in the true faith now and always. Amen.